We've always kept the quality. We don't take any shortcuts. We don't cheat. We have a very innovative and unique model for producing excellent quality specialty coffee. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, I'm welcoming to the show an amazing entrepreneur, Darren Don Pablo Burke, the founder and CEO of Burke Brands, most notably known for Don Pablo Coffee. Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm excited to chat. Um, We rarely have guests on the show that kind of have your... um, kind of experience and track record uh, as the business, you know, I guess started before the internet. Uh, it's very rare to have uh, a guest on like that. So I'm very excited to get started. So I guess quickly, just let the listeners know like what what's the business up to now? Um, what types of products are you selling? Where are you guys selling those products these days? And then we'll take them back in time. So yeah, we're not quite uh, predating the internet itself, but uh, really um, before online products were the norm, you know, buying online. Uh, it was... 34 years ago, I met my wife, who's Colombian, and um, she brought me to her home country. I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her parents, and they gave me this great cup of coffee down there. And I'd always been entrepreneurial, but this cup of coffee really opened my eyes, you know, in more ways than one. And uh, I recognized the business idea. So uh, I said, hey, let's, uh, let's take this coffee back and see what people think about it. And we did, and they loved it. And I was a kid, I was 20 and I, you know, had no money, had no education. So, uh, I didn't start the business back then, but I started my education. You know, I went to coffee farms and, and to roasters and went all over Latin America, you know, learning about coffee, growing and roasting. And, uh, 20 years ago, we bought a roaster, small roaster and started in a 1200 square foot garage. Uh, and, um, that's really the genesis of the whole thing. We're here 20 years later. And um, and it's been a heck of a journey. Absolutely. So uh, just to, I guess, correct myself uh, and let everyone know that, you know, I've got some notes here and I got things uh, mistaken. Um, so you visited Columbia in the 80s and kind of just kept uh, looking at this product. But then you launched the business in the early 2000s. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk more about that education piece, visiting these farms and like obviously doing sampling with potential customers. Um, how did you do that? Was there any rhyme or reason or strategy to like how you were going to learn about this industry? Uh, for listeners out there that are kind of, they know they want to do something in a certain area, but they don't know what yet. Yeah, no, it was very organic. Uh, you know, with that first trip to Columbia 34 years ago and that first cup of coffee. And I'm curious by nature, um, which I think is a good thing for an entrepreneur. And I was asked to take, uh, be taken to a coffee farm and I went to our first one. And if you, for context, if you live in Colombia, you either grow coffee yourself or your aunt or your uncle or your neighbor or your cousin or whatever. So it wasn't hard to find ourselves on a coffee farm, you know, early on. Uh, so sort of started that education. Uh, and then we brought Colombian brands back to the U.S. Now, mind you, this was actually before Starbucks. 
Um, you know, if you look online, they'll say they've been in business for whatever it is, 40 years, but uh, it was a different iteration. It was the first, the, the origins of it, and it was just a whole bean shop uh, on the West Coast. And really nobody 34 years ago uh, on that first trip to Columbia knew anything about Starbucks. So I was telling people, hey, I want to do this thing. I want to take Colombian brands from Colombia to the U.S. and sell them. And people said, that will never work. If that would work, people would be doing it already. And there was a lot of discouragement. But this coffee just was so amazing. And we didn't have anything that I, I encountered in the U.S. back then uh, that came close to it. You know, it was all supermarket brands, which, you know, is another bean entirely. It's a Robusta bean. So very acidic, very bitter, um, double the caffeine. And, you know, it was, it was a caffeine delivery device more than anything else. You know, you put a ton of cream and sugar in it and you start your day. This coffee was an Arabica bean, grows higher in the mountain, richer, smoother, cleaner finish, half the caffeine, doesn't make you nervous and jittery. Uh, so it was really, really very special. And I recognized that and I started bringing it back and family and friends had the same experience that I did with it. So I knew this was going to be big, but like I said, I didn't have any money and I was young and, you know, so I, I stayed with it. I did a lot of other things. You know, I had a, an exhaust system cleaning business in restaurants for a bunch of years and did some other entrepreneurial things. And, and 20 years back, I, I started it and bought the roaster and, and, uh, and that's really how we did it. And up to your question, you know, how'd you get your customers? It was not easy because I'll tell you the other key ingredient, key element that I had that was extremely important and the business would not exist if it wasn't for that thing. And that was ignorance. I was very naive, extremely naive. And you know why I say that is because to this day, 95% of the global at-home coffee industry is controlled by only four companies, right? So they're billion-dollar food conglomerates that keep out all the other uh, coffees. And we started in that environment, and I had no idea. So, you know, I, for an example, I would walk up, we're in Miami, I'd walk up Biscayne Boulevard, which is a long street with a lot of restaurants on it. And I'd have samples and I'd say to the restaurant owners, you want to buy my coffee? You want to buy my coffee? And, you know, most of them said no. And some of them were, uh, you know, insulted that I want to leave samples with them. But one restaurant, it was a Greek restaurant, said, yeah, I'll buy your coffee. It's great coffee. All I need is these brewers, these satellite stations, these warmers, these AirPods. And I'm like, what? It's like, oh yeah, all the big companies, they do that. They, they give you all this free equipment and, you know, 10 cases of free coffee. Uh, and, and then they sign them up for a, on a contract for two or three years. So they lock them up. And these are, you know, these are the lower tier below those big giant companies that are doing, you know, 100, 200, 300 million dollars. And that really opened my eyes. And I, I had a friend that worked for one of those companies. And he said it was a 10-month formula. So they'd spend all that money in a restaurant, giving all that free stuff, and they wouldn't make a dime on the coffee for 10 months later. Now, we started in a garage with no money. So there was no way we could compete with that. But, you know, I had already started it. And when I start something, I don't, I don't quit. And I was very faithful. And we ended up getting into Costco. So uh, that was a miracle. And how we did it was uh, meeting a, a local marketing person from Costco in a, in a chamber of commerce event. And, um, and they said, hey, if you want to uh, do like a show, we've got this charity event and you can't sell the coffee, 
but you can, you know, show customers and give customers samples and that type of thing. So we got a bunch of Colombian girls. We put them in these nice hats and, you know, ponchos and stuff. And, um, and we saw, we, we, uh, made a big buzz. A lot of people loved it. They went crazy over it. We had them fill out all these comment cards, big stack of comment cards, how great the coffee was and bring it in and all that stuff. And we sent it to the region over here in the Southeast region, uh, and nothing, right? And then we called them every week. My sister-in-law actually called them every week for a year. And finally they said, listen, this is too much. What do you want to do? And we said, Hey, uh, give us another road show and we'll see if we can make it work. So we did a road show in that same location where we did the charity event and we blew it up. We sold more coffee in the history of coffee road shows in that location. And they said, wow, go up to this other location, up to Boca, because, you know, this is a Latin market down here in Miami. You know, we were sort of a Latin brand. And they said, go to Boca, whole different demographic. We went to Boca and we sold even more coffee, broke another record there. They said, wow, okay, South Florida, maybe. They said, go up to Charlotte, North Carolina. Went up to Charlotte, North Carolina, never been, beautiful town. Uh, again, sold crazy amounts of coffee up there. Then they said, go to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I had never heard of it. And uh, we went there, the doors opened, nobody in the building. I'm like, oh no, they don't really want us. Maybe they're setting us up for failure, trying to get rid of us. But we sold so much coffee in that location. We had detox centers coming in and people were on their phone calling other people and they were coming in. Uh, and they just went crazy over the coffee. So we sold so much coffee in that location, they gave us eight warehouses. And we built those eight warehouses up to, you know, the rest of the region over time. And meantime, we got into the other warehouse club, Sam's Club, which, you know, we've been with them for 17 years and, and built that up magnificently. Uh, and yeah, just, it took a lot of hard work, but, but that's how we got our customers. You know, we didn't have the benefit of the digital marketing, and the social media back then, it all predated that. In fact, it predated selling groceries on Amazon. So when Amazon came along and they started selling grocery, we went hard into that. And, you know, we got some good people that really understood digital marketing. And we were able to pump that up to like a million dollars a month in, uh, in a few, it took a few years, but the growth was just up and up and up and up. And now we've got our own website where we're, you know, doing about $3 million on our own website. Uh, and it's, you know, things change and it's a constant challenge to learn and uh, find people who, who really understand digital marketing. And now with AI, it's another challenge, but a, a really, uh, really great opportunity. So yeah, we, we've uh, went from sort of legacy uh, brick and mortar stuff to, to blowing it up in, in the digital space too. That's amazing. So there's a lot of a lot of nuances to that story, and so I want to kind of talk about maybe necessarily the timeline. So um, when do you? Let's just call it the, the first big break. Like when were you getting these first like massive retail orders that are really helping ex blow the business up? Like what year was that compared to when you started to look at these other channels, say Amazon, or just or uh, your kind of direct consumer through your own website? Like, do you remember what years you, these were kind of happening? Yeah. So, um, you know, we really, we really got our first order in 2004 and it was from TJ Maxx. Um, and it was the day after Hurricane Wilma totally destroyed South Florida. And, you know, we had a broker that, that was working on it. And uh, my whole, I was in a condo and the whole building was shaking 
and uh, you know, light poles outside were falling to the ground and stuff. And when the storm passed, we got up and we were going to go check on the roasting facility, which was, you know, very small in a garage, but we didn't know if it was flooded, if it still had a roof or whatever. And I get a phone call and it's like, Hey, they want to buy from you X amount of dollars. And it was a huge order. We just had a tiny little roaster. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, we don't even know if we have a roasting facility yet. Will they give us more time? And they're like, no, no more time. If they, if you don't deliver within this 30 days, then they'll never buy from you again. So we went to the facility. Fortunately, thank God it was in perfect condition. No problems at all. But the problem was we had a tiny roaster and only a few people, few employees. So I had been a teacher at a local high school in Hialeah down here uh, for four years previous to this. And it was a fluke, but I was doing it and it was, uh, you know, I was teaching entrepreneurship. So I called there and I said, hey, do you have any kids that need uh, community service hours? And like, yeah, sure. Where do we send them? So I, ha- I got like 20 kids that work for community service hours to produce this order. And, uh, and it went to all over the country. So we had some exposure right away. Uh, for a brand uh, in that in that channel. But then, like I said, we got that opportunity with Costco and that was like a year later uh, and a lot of miracles, by the way, along the way, you know, just the planets going in alignment and one miracle after another. Not that it was easy, it was very hard. So they gave us eight locations and they had told me, listen, if you do X amount a week per location, you'll stay long enough until something else cool comes along and then we'll replace you. But if you do X more, which is double, you're going to stay for a long time. So we, we went all in and we spent all kinds of money that we didn't have. And we were literally working, you know, 18, 19, 20 hours a day. Easy. I've done plenty of 24 hour days just preparing for these things and, you know, standing on concrete uh, for 10 to 12 hours a day in these warehouse clubs. Um, and we did that for couple of maybe 18 months, two years. And then they gave us, you know, some more warehouses and then some more warehouses. And my wife and I have given over a million cups of coffee to people over a 10 year period. And we know this because, you know, we did demos and roadshows for every weekend, four days a week uh, for 10 years. And, uh, and we used to go in there with cases of cups that were a thousand cups each. And we would at least go through one of them. And usually like on a Saturday or Sunday, you'd go for three or four cases, go through, uh, you know, three or 4,000 cups. So if you do the math, it's well over a million cups that we personally handed to people. And I don't know if you can tell yet, but I talk a lot. So I would tell my story to every single person, our story to every single person that took a cup of coffee. And, you know, listen, it worked. After 10 years, we get to be in business. Uh, and we're competing on the shelves and also, you know, on Amazon and, and other places head to head with these giant companies that sell, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of product. So it was, it was hard, but, uh, that foundation of the brick and mortar and the really hustling and the working really hard is what would allowed us to compete more easily in the digital space. Hey there, merchant. Are you tired of trying to navigate the wild world of e-commerce on your own? Are you looking for a partner to help you achieve your goals? Look no further than the Shopify Plus agency, Electric Eye. Our team has a proven track record of helping our clients make millions with strategic design and development. Whether you're migrating from a legacy platform to Shopify, designing a new theme for your store, or just looking to optimize what you already have, Electric Eye is the perfect partner for you. 
Electric Eye are true Shopify experts. Not only is our Shopify knowledge unparalleled, but we have partnerships with all the best tech in the Shopify ecosystem. And don't worry, we're easy to get a hold of. Our clients rave about our fast communication. So here's the deal. If you're an e-commerce business doing over $1 million a year, you can receive a complimentary Shopify diagnostic from our team of experts. That's free, personalized strategic recommendations to improve your store and grow your business. To get started, head on over to electriceye.io slash connect to schedule an intro call with one of our experts. That's electriceye.io slash connect. Today's episode is sponsored by IntelliGems, the ultimate A-B testing and profit optimization platform for Shopify merchants. You're investing tons of time and money to drive traffic to your store. But are you doing everything you can to convert that traffic into profits? With IntelliGems, you can stop guessing and start making strategic decisions. IntelliGems platform enables you to A-B test everything from themes to pricing so you can understand what makes your customers tick and click. Whether you're tweaking your UX, testing prices and offers, or trying out different shipping rates, IntelliGems provides real-time insights that can directly influence your store's profitability. Join the ranks of over 1,000 Shopify stores that are already maximizing their potential with IntelliGems. Setup is quick, and the results are undeniable. If you're not experimenting, you're leaving money on the table. It's that simple. Elevate your e-commerce strategy today. Visit IntelliGems.io slash HonestEcommerce and use code HonestEcommerce for 10% off your first month. You can also find IntelliGems on the Shopify App Store and get a 7-day free trial. Well, I mean, I think uh, each one of those cups of coffee, if you just want to do the math, cups of coffee that you personally handed out to potential customers, and free samples, mind you... one cup of coffee uh, equated to you know almost a million dollars in sales. You, know, you guys have done over a hundred million dollars in lifetime sales for one million. You know for for one million cups of coffee. I think that's a good trade off. And now, if you could tell an entrepreneur, you know, right now, it's like go give away a million free samples. You're going to make a hundred million dollars. I think most people would do that. Well, uh, you know, I never thought of it that way. That's very interesting. But let me tell you something: hard, 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 hard. Hard. I'll say it 10, 24 times. It was hard, but we weren't going to give up and we didn't have the benefit back then of, you know, having the opportunity to sell online. So, you know, it's with Amazon. Amazon has made a lot of millionaires, right? So a lot of the younger people, they don't know what it was like before Amazon. So it was, you know, a very small group of manufacturers that had a lot of money that would, uh, you know, one, keep everybody out through exclusive distribution agreements and non-competes and all these other things, but two, have the money to, you know, do all the outdoor advertising, to advertise in all the magazines, to do the commercials. We had four channels. Yeah. When I was a kid, we had four channels, but when we started this, we didn't have, you know, many others, uh, you know, the broadcast media. So that was very expensive. So it was really hard for a smaller company to compete with the bigger companies in any meaningful way. Uh, and that genie came out of the bottle not that long ago, really maybe 15 years ago. Absolutely. Let's talk about the transition to what, you know, these days everybody calls it omni-channel, right? But it's just like selling your customers wherever the heck they want to buy from, right? So um, did you guys launch on Amazon or kind of your own direct-to-consumer website first? And, and what was that kind of like learning curve like? Yeah, well, so it was a, uh, a learning process for sure. And we, were, we had our own website uh, long before Amazon. But we didn't do too much on it. You know, it's, it wasn't very robust uh, as far as the shopping cart was concerned. And there was not a lot of opportunity to get out there. I mean, you had, you know, Google ads and you had Facebook and stuff. And, uh, 
you know, it was just in the very beginning, and I would not be shy about telling people this, you know, the cost benefit equation for advertising on social media just was not there, did not pay. It took a lot of time and a lot of effort for very little return. So, you know, as, as their sort of analytics and their, um, you know, progression, I'm talking about digital channels and, and, and digital platforms and social media became better and better and more advanced and, uh, it became better. And somewhere around that time, you know, we were introduced to Amazon and we started with Amazon and we had some people that were very good at, uh, and mind you, this was back in 2013 when, when grocery was relatively new. So there was not a lot of competition. Uh, you know, it was the sort of the first mover advantage or second mover advantage type situation that we benefited from. You know, timing is super important in a lot of things. Um, so yeah, first our own website, we didn't do much. Then on Amazon and Amazon was sort of a, a rocky road for us, you know, with keeping it stocked, uh, especially uh, with all kinds of lately with supply chain issues. And, you know, after the pandemic and sales absolutely went wild during the pandemic. But after that, it, there was a lot of disruption in the supply chain. So what happened was, you know, we ran out of stock on Amazon and people love our coffee. We have this over 70 percent customer retention rate. So, you know, we've always kept the quality. We don't, uh, we don't take any shortcuts. We don't cheat. We have a very innovative and unique model for producing excellent quality specialty coffee. And because of that, uh, people were desperate to find the product when we ran out on Amazon. So they found us on our own website and we blew up our own website. You know, we, we tripled sales within a very short period of time, uh, which, you know, like I said, we're doing 3 million now. Uh, and we're actually trying to slow it down a little bit. We keep raising prices, but we keep uh, getting more customers. Kind of a good problem to have, as they say, I guess. Absolutely. Now, would you say that um, because of the growth of Amazon, it gave kind of a trickle-down effect to the growth of the direct consumer website? Yeah, it's you know, it's an amazing dance, really, between not only those two, but also our brick-and-mortar sales. Uh, we are sort of uh, intentionally um, stocking one and not the other in a certain period of time so we can increase sales at one or the other, depending on what, what the, you know, the best thing to do is. Um, and I think it's an, it's, in, it's an interesting strategy. You'd think one would cannibalize the other, but we always end up with more than we started with. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely an opportunity to... Um, I don't want to say use one against the other, but, you know, kind of, uh, you know, stock one in one way and, and some brands or some some pack sizes or some favorite sizes in one and not the other. Yeah, I've seen um, a lot of interesting information around, you know, this is in advance, like this would be supporting kind of the idea of Omnichannel. There's a lot of people that want to do everything right on their own website and they don't have such a... Um, a big kind of wholesale component. Uh, call it. I'm just going to call it that, for lack of a better term, like your business does. And you know, they don't do Amazon. They're doing it all on their own website. But um, I have seen recently that um, you know, just by turning on Amazon or these other channels, and just not even increasing their spend or, or diverting traffic, that these people are already looking for this product on that market um, already, just because they are aware of it. But that's where they like to shop. 
Um, so, you know, I think that like if you're spending a, a boatload of money on ads on either platform, having the other one still have inventory, you'll you'll see kind of this uh, tick up in sales just because of the awareness of the ads and the attention that you're generating. Yeah, I agree. You know, you definitely have people that uh, prefer one channel or, over the other, but there's also people that, you know, either shop for price or shop for something particular and like to go back and forth from one to the other. So either way, it works for us. As long as they end up at our product and buy it, we're, we're loving it. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about what's going on now. Uh, you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. Um, I want to touch on this because I always think it's a really interesting thing. We're doing a, little, a bit of private labeling. And I've never really asked someone about how this can be kind of a revenue channel for a business. Uh, so can you like give me like a crash course on like what that is and how that can be a profit center for a business, like building upon the systems that you already have? So this is one of the, the thing I would say that is the absolutely most exciting thing uh, not only for me, but it should be for everybody because something amazing is happening. And what happens is it happens so slow, you know, and like I said, if you're a younger person and you don't have the benefit of, you know, uh, a longer time horizon, uh, you don't really get it. But if you're a manufacturer of a product, you have an opportunity for the first time in the history of the world and the first time in the history of CPG products um, to leverage social media and digital channels, uh, you know, there's all these influencers. And if you, all these influencers that have all these, this, these huge audiences, I mean, you know, Mr. Beast, right? What's Absolutely. he got? 25 million subscribers or something like that? Uh, the yeah. most, just so, so many. So the numbers are staggering. And uh, all he has to do is say, hey, buy this chocolate bar or go to this burger place. And, uh, and he's got customers just like this for making a bunch of goofy videos, you know, nothing against him. He's brilliant, obviously. Um, so that's really the tack that we're taking now is to find uh, alignment with these influencers and, and influencer organizations uh, and try to get them to do a private label for themselves. And we make that very easy. And it's a, it's a passive recurring revenue stream for them. Um, you know, we'll do, we'll even design the bag for them. We'll purchase everything. We'll roast the coffee. We'll pack the coffee and we will fulfill the coffee. And they get this money for just going on their channel and drinking the coffee and saying how great it is and, and all that. So, you know, we've already got one customer who is absolutely blowing it up and not doing anything other than they were already doing. Um, and just like making tons and tons of money from doing this. And it's super easy for us. You know, it's a win-win all around. Absolutely. It's amazing. And it's, you know, it, there's something you said about, you know, like selling your sawdust. It's like, you guys have already built these systems. You already own the equipment. When it's not running, you're not making money. Uh, and there are, it's, it's something, you know, think outside of the box about how you can monetize the things that you've built other than just your product within your business and you can find so much more margin definitely yeah i mean just it's all about adding value right always and you know in, in this case you're adding value uh for somebody you're, you're providing something that wasn't there before and the fact that it's coffee which is something that people drink every single day and it's you know a fast-moving consumer product they call it um and, you know, ours has got such a high customer attention rate. You keep these customers. 
So you're selling subscriptions, right? They, they, people say, Hey, I love this influencer. Let me try it. You sign up uh, for a subscription and the coffee just comes once a month or once every two months or whatever you do. And, and the money just keeps rolling in. And all they have to do is, you know, put their self on the camera and say how great it is. And uh, it's, it's really a, an easy thing to get into. And there's, there's literally millions of dollars attached to it. Absolutely. So we've talked all about this amazing coffee, right? So before we go here, I want to make sure that you can tell people if they want to go try. Obviously, there's Don Pablo coffee, but there's a few other brands. Where should I go to, to, to find these things? Where should I go to check them out? Yeah, I mean, so if you're close to a Costco, go there. Sam's Club, same thing. Um, and of course, you know, we've got Amazon and we've got uh, DonPabloCoffee.com. Um, you know, they, they can find us, you know, if you Google Don Pablo, you'll find us for sure. Don Pablo coffee. Don't, don't just Google Don Pablo. Then you, you get into some weird stuff, but Don Pablo coffee. <laughs> absolutely. Darren, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, sharing your story and your insights. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. All right, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes that really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io. Until next time.